You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back into the Lions 24-7 podcast. Happy to be with you once again. I am Tyler Donahue. Second episode of this week, we look back at the commitment of wide receiver Lyric Samuel coming on board with the 2025 class with our Tuesday episode. Tyler Calvaruso joined us for an extensive conversation on that pickup, which is the first of its kind at the position in the 2025 class. And then a bunch of other names to know as Penn State works to build out that class of high school juniors going on high school seniors. We also had Daniel Gallen on our last episode discussing the really interesting moment that Penn State basketball found itself in this week, dismissing its leading scorer in Kanye Clary, riding a three-game losing streak, having five regular season games remaining. It looked pretty bleak, and lo and behold, uh, during a a Wednesday night matchup against number 12 Illinois, they pull off a stunner at the end. We're going to have Daniel Gallon hop on with us at the end of this podcast episode to share his thoughts on what he witnessed from Penn State basketball, what he heard from some of the emotion from coaches and players afterwards as they worked their way forward uh, in a new new kind of era of this season. And additionally, we'll have Tyler Calvaruso back on this episode in just a matter of minutes to talk about the Penn State recruiting visits that are going to take place during spring practices. A few really notable official visits have been locked in other players making their way to campus from far beyond the region. But we begin this show with one of our most frequent guests over the course of of the life of this Lions 24-7 podcast. I know my first interview with him off the podcast was halfway through his freshman year of high school. We've had him on the podcast as a high school player, as a top 100 prospect, eventually as a Nittany Lions offensive lineman. And now we have him on, strange to say it, as a former Penn State player, but he has a lot cooking, a lot in front of him right now as a Penn State student. Landon Tengwall returns to the Lions 24-7 podcast. And Landon, we were talking a little bit uh, before we started recording here. I just want to say really proud of you, how far you've come in in the last six months, dealing with what you had to deal with. We're going to talk about some of those details. We're going to talk about what you're doing now. But first and foremost, thanks for coming on and opening up about everything with us here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. No doubt. Thank you for having me, Tyler. You know, as you as you said, been on here many a times and I enjoy it every single time. It's a great it's a great uh, experience every time I come on. Before we talk about why you're no longer playing college football at this at this point in your life, I want to talk about what you are doing at this point in your life. February 2024, uh, you are still more than a year out uh, from targeted graduation here from Penn State. Tell us a little bit about what the day to day is like for Lennon Tengwall right now. 
Yeah, so I, I've uh, so I'm actually a, I'm a broadcast journalism major. As you mentioned, I, I have a year left before I graduate. Um, and as the Penn State media knows, I've always really enjoyed talking to you guys, uh, doing as much as possible. Uh, so I, I've really always enjoyed the media. Uh, so that's kind of what I turn to a little bit. I have a couple different uh, podcasts I do right now, uh, and I couple different live remote things I do around town. We just started recently. Uh, I think it was the week. Uh, la- it was last week. Uh, did our first live radio show, uh, Keystone Sport Net, put on by Keystone Sports Network, and it was on uh, on uh, 98.7 The Fox um, at, at Cafe 210 with uh, Shar, legendary field hockey here. Um, we had uh, Coach Keys with the women's basketball team. Uh, you know, that, that game whiteout tonight in, uh, in Rec Hall should be fun. I'll actually be there. Um, Ali, a couple, couple other players. Uh, so, you know, kind of getting into the, in the Penn State uh, athletic field as far as, you know, broadcast, uh, podcast, that type of work. Uh, something I've really enjoyed so far, getting to know a lot of new people. Uh, that's one thing I have really enjoyed over this process is having a lot of free time being able to take as many meetings as pop as possible around town with, you know, lettermen, uh, people that are involved heavily in, in Penn state athletics. Um, and then actually coming up here in March, I will uh, be starting my, my own very, my own podcast, uh, that is, you know, fully mine. It'll be Landon Tangwell's podcast, uh, put on by Fox Penn state. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to, to get that going and I'll have more info uh, out on that shortly, but, Look for that to be coming out here in uh, in mid March, and something that I'm really excited about uh, to to kind of be able to showcase a lot of these guys' personalities. And we were talking off air about it uh, that you know it's kind of unique that a lot of these guys that are still on the team, you know, obviously my 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 teammates, and I know them very well. So to be to be able to bring them on a podcast uh, and kind of showcase their personality, I, I tell their story uh, a little bit better than say you know a media member would be able to. Uh, so, you know, a lot, lot of stuff cooking up and definitely excited uh, about the future and what's ahead. Generally, we don't like to showcase the competition around here, Landon, but I'll make an exception for you. You are on the rise. I'm really excited for you and and you're in the right industry. I figured you'd get to this point. I just thought you'd be able to play football for a bit longer before you ended up in the media world. But when it comes to to that kind of stuff, you mentioned something interesting, free time. I don't think that was probably part of your vocabulary your first few years on campus when you were with the Penn State football program. Just how much has that transition kind of changed your lifestyle, maybe opened up some new avenues for you, and additionally, maybe forced you to be a little bit more responsible with your free time? Because I remember that was a challenge as a college student who wasn't involved with the football program where they say, here's what you're doing from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. Yeah, well, I, and I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with whenever you give up, you know, ball. You're used to being on a, you know, 10-minute increment schedule every day. This is when you're eating. This is when you're working out. This is when you're practicing. Uh, so, you know, all that goes away. It, it's it's kind of a shock. And as you said, you have a lot of free time. And if you if you you can mismanage that really easily and lay it lay around and play video games all day. Uh, but that that was something I I definitely. I knew and I kind of expected that was I had the opportunity, you know, Penn State is such a family. And that's something that I, I have spoken about a lot uh, uh, recently that when I when all this went down, I felt nothing but so much just support and love. Uh, and, and then also had the opportunity to talk to some people that have been in very similar situations for, you know, former lettermen that have, you know, whether they had to retire right after college or even in the NFL or, 
you know, talking to guys like Mike Maddie, who has, has spoken out about his had problems with concussions and, and injuries towards the end of his career uh, and kind of being able to take some stuff away uh, from, from their experiences and getting that information early on in my retirement was really helpful to kind of understand, hey, these are the mistakes that other guys have made. You know, don't fall into these traps. Um, and obviously, when you when you lose something that you, that you love dearly, you're going to have so there's going to be a grieving process where you kind of have to take a step back and uh, and and figure out exactly you know what you need going forward. Um, but I'd say that process was definitely sped up because of the support and love that I had from the Penn State family. Uh, so so first off, I you know I have to shout out to them. But uh, something I was always interested in uh, working out. Obviously, as everybody knows, I'm I'm a big dude. I still I work out every single day. That's something that I still uh, like like to put all my energy in. Uh, a lot of effort. It's you know it's hard when you don't when you're in that competitive nature of college football. There's really nothing that that can match it. So you know there's nothing I can do to to replicate that. But it's it's finding other avenues to put that. Uh, really big into golf right now. Uh, obviously, it's <laughs> currently in state college. It's, it's freezing rain. Uh, so so not at the moment. But actually, the blue course they have indoor. Uh, they have indoor uh, simulators that you can go. So me and a couple of guys will go in there and we'll, we'll, we'll hit balls getting ready for the spring. And as you know, there's a ton of Letterman events and uh, and stuff of that nature. Uh, but, you know, just definitely keep myself keep myself as busy as possible. Uh, staying active, I feel like, is, is really important to me. Um, actually, last night, recently just joined a, uh, a, a basketball league here at the IM with with a couple guys that uh, – have graduated and are planning to either grad transfer or done with ball on the team. So we'll go and we'll, we'll run on the courts and we weren't playing a team that was too good last night, Tyler. I, I think I had like 22 and 18. I don't know. My stat line was looking like some of the guys in rec hall. I, I, don't, I don't know, but, uh, but I, I have a good time. Like you said, it, it opens it up for, to do a lot of things that normally you would not be, uh, be able to do. Uh, so that, that's just something that I've, I've tried to take as much advantage of as possible. Um, and just kind of just have the mindset every day, to just still get after, you know, that was such, it was such an emphasis for me to have that, that dog mindset. And one thing I realized is like, that doesn't have to change. You just have to find somewhere else to refocus uh, that energy. And I think that's something I've really started to, to get going here for myself. Are you throwing down dunks on the court? I can, I can not, I try not to intimidate the, the other guys too much, you know, but, uh, but I'm more of, I'm more of a rebound uh, defensive guy. I, I don't I don't have too much to the shot. It's not very curry like, if you will. But uh, but but I, I'm working on it, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to get to get the shot right. And so I can continue playing these pickup basketball games. But I'll tell you what, it's the, there's a lot of difference between running on that hard court and being on the field. Man, the, the bones, they, they feel it up and down that court the, the next morning. I was hurting this morning getting out of bed. But uh, but I, I have a good time, man. I it's like my, my dream is just playing, you know, like PE, you play a million different sports and it's just fun. That's what we're doing. I'm in like three different uh, IM leagues, volleyball, basketball, just just having fun and uh, you know just trying to, like I said, fill up as much time as possible and just enjoy it with uh, with, with friends and uh, just ha having a good time. That's fantastic. I'm thinking about the the average Penn State student just showing up to play little hoops and, and seeing this the former top 100 prospect all across the country, a, a big offensive lineman staring him in, in the paint. Uh, not, not an easy task. If you thought you were hurting this morning, there's some poor sucker out there who woke up probably even more sore. <laughs> um, I, I do want to go back to last summer. Last time we had you on this podcast, you were 
really excited to, to go out and, and prove what you could do on a football field because of COVID at the end of your high school career, because of the red shirt in year one, because of your injury in 2022, the sustained ability to be out there part of a football program was lacking. I know you were hungry for it. Going into August, you know, we knew you were going to be in the mix to maybe regain that starting job at offensive guard. But within a week or so, I think our, our first look at practice, there you were. Our second look at practice, you were missing. And that remained the case throughout the month until you announced that you were retiring from the game of football. So going into last August, just how just how was that mindset for you? And can you just tell us when the concussion issues surfaced for you on that timeline? Yeah, you know, obviously it's a it's a it was a difficult time for me. And that was a decision that, you know, obviously talking with Coach Franklin, my family uh, and all, all the important people around me. And it, it was difficult. Um, but, you know, you, you do realize that there is and, I, and it was one thing. One thing for me at the end of the day, I loved football. It was it was the biggest thing in my life. But I, I never truly felt that it was, you know, landing the football player. I felt like I had so many other. Uh, you know, qualities to myself that, you know, to offer um, and, and a lot of dreams down the line outside of football. Um, so it, it took me a little bit to realize, you know, obviously that that first month of August and, you know, finally stepping away from football uh, is really difficult time. And as I mentioned earlier, it, and what kind of the advice I got from other lettermen was it doesn't really matter exactly when it happens, whenever football is done for you everybody struggles with it. And I think that's something people don't realize when, when guys even have a storied career and they retire, those guys even struggle the most with it because it's, you know, it's almost like, what, what do you do with your time? So, you know, it definitely took me a little bit of time to get into that, uh, so to speak, civilian life. It, it's definitely different. Um, but, you know, like I said, through, through the guidance of, you know, everybody, the team was fantastic. Uh, just, just being around me, supporting me as much as possible. Uh, guys coming over to visit me and obviously some of my best friends, Olu, Doc, those guys just coming over all the time and just just being around me, just trying to keep my spirits up. Uh, obviously, understanding that it was a, it was an incredibly tough time for me. Um, and, you know, so it's definitely something that in, in the near future, uh, we had kind of spoken off air about this, that I, I do want to get involved in not only uh, helping people from a standpoint of, of head trauma and concussions in, in sports and uh Obviously, you know, can, can, I can you know speak to that from experience, but also helping people transition away from sports into that civilian life. Um, something that I've had to experience over these past, past six to seven months. Uh, and something I feel really strongly about because I, I, the amount of help that I had from the people around me, like I talked about the Letterman, my family, uh, and the support that I had was one of the reasons I was able, I feel like, to get back on my feet so quickly. Um, and I, I think a lot of people don't get that. I think at other schools, people don't get that. And then, you know, even take away, um, you know, NFL, NBA, even those guys down the line. Uh, like I said, they, people retire and they just think, oh, you know, they're, they're headed off and they're going to have a great time with, with all the money they made. Well, that's not always the case. And that's why you see guys after their career, they made a ton of money and they, you know, stuff goes down the drain for them. Uh, so I, I definitely it's a kind of this whole situation for me has inspired me to do a lot of things. Uh, but I definitely feel strongly about, like I said, helping, helping people out that have, have experienced uh, any type of, of brain trauma, but then also helping people with that next step, stepping away from athletics into the, the real world. Uh, and it's obviously still something I'm still trying to figure out, but that is definitely a dream of mine down the road. And I talked about maybe possibly creating a nonprofit, uh, things like that. Definitely something I have a big interest in and that I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting into that space and helping others. 
Um, when you're going through that, I know that the, the input of medical professionals is going to tip the scales and ultimately really determine what you have to do with it. talking about your brain. We're talking about a young person here, you know, Landon, um, but James Franklin, Phil Troutwine, Franklin's known you since probably eighth grade freshman year. Phil Troutwine gets, you know, gets the job before he even gets the job. You're getting asked about a position change. I mean, you know, you, you basically get to campus at the same time. Um, those guys talked a lot about the future of your football career. What did they mean to you? What were those relationships like in August when it was clear that your football career was about to end? What were they like in those moments? Yeah, they, they were nothing but fantastic. And funny enough, my dad, I remember him saying to me there in you know late August, September, he said, if I could do a commercial for Coach Franklin, sign me up because the way that he has handled this whole situation makes me just in love with him. That's pretty much what my dad had to say. So coming from a parent, I think that can, you know, that speaks a lot. I think one thing we know about Coach Franklin is this is family. And when he, you know, when, when you sign that letter of intent and you come here, it doesn't matter what happens. You are a part of the family here at Penn State. And I can absolutely, you know, corroborate that is that is exactly what happened. You know, still down the road, obviously still still in the facility and involved, but still get checked in on all the time. You know, none of that changes. And I can promise you at other schools, it is absolutely not like that. I think in these type of situations, you probably would never hear from the head coach ever again. Uh, you know, and Franklin's always checking up on me, making sure I'm doing OK. Um, and it just it just means a lot because. I think in those situations, if you don't have that, you can start to feel like, okay, you know, maybe I didn't, you know, I didn't matter or whatever it may be, but just complete polar opposite here at Penn State. It was just nothing but love and support and still continues to be that, as you mentioned, six, seven months down the road. Uh, so I, I have nothing but, but absolutely great things to say uh, about these coaches. And one thing that Coach Franklin always preaches is, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not always about football. And I remember him always saying in the team meetings, you always have to have, you know, a plan B and, you know, we want you to be the Fortune 500 CEO, you know, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Like that's our goal is to make you a great man uh, and, you know, a husband, uh, father, et cetera. And that's I really did feel that uh, with moving on from football uh, and just that that love and support. So it's just, you know, it, as I said, my, my dad said it all. If he, he, he wants to do a commercial for Coach Franklin. So uh, it's just a ton, a ton of a uh, ton of great things to say about this program. And I couldn't be happier with, with the decision I, I made back in uh, 2020 when I when I signed on with this uh, with this Penn State program. You signed on not realizing you were going to get Phil Troutwine, but you got Phil Troutwine immediately in 2021, and now here he is three years later, January 2024. I think it's fair to say internally, externally, their narrative, the brand, whatever you want to call it, about that offensive line room has changed. Why is that the case? Yeah, I, I think, and I would say this, I'd come even, I would come on podcasts and, you know, talking to the media, you got to give someone a little bit of time to overhaul the room. He really didn't, now obviously we had some great guys in the room, but none of them were really his recruits. Um, and it's hard to change a whole culture in the offensive line room and in, in just say within a year. And I think you started to see that tide kind of turn a little bit uh, in the 2021 season, started to run the ball a little bit better than we did. And then we just kept taking st little steps just one by one. And it, it makes sense. It matches Coach Trout's philosophy completely. You just come in each day and just get a little bit better at something. And I think that's exactly what you see within the offensive line. And when you do that, everybody starts to believe in each other. Uh, you know, there, there was a lot of competition, which creates a lot of depth. And that's something you don't have a lot of places. Uh, we saw this season a lot of guys get a lot of reps. Um, you know, that's 
that's a really important. And to have 10 guys, you know, too deep, ready to go for, for a game speaks to, to Coach Trout and his preparation and how, how he prepares uh, his guys. And obviously I can speak to it. I, I think he is one of the most prepared people I've ever met in my entire life. Uh, and you ask anybody around the building, he's probably the first person that comes to mind in there, you know, late writing notes for us that, you know, going above and beyond what other coaches do, uh, just just little details and, you know, text him whenever you want. And he's he's answering. And if you want to go get work with him at, at any time, it, he's coming. And it's you know, it's it's the Penn State culture and it's exciting uh, now, I guess, as you know, a fan uh, to, to, to know what we have on the inside that gets me excited and really just happy for this for the future of this program. And he's just going to continue to do it with the high caliber of recruits that he's been bringing in. As you're talking there, I realized my timeline was off. Phil actually predated you by a year. I think I, I, one, I'm showing my age and two, it was a COVID year and it's kind of a, a blank for me and, and a lot of us in general, but he got to campus in January, 2020, of course, couldn't do any practices until that October because of COVID. And then you got to campus the following winter. So you weren't there from the very beginning, but you know the origin story quite well. And he was recruiting you along the way. I wanted to just get into a, a, a topic here because you know the group so well personality wise uh from a physical standpoint as well who are you most excited to watch on the offensive line this year and i know doc is a guy that, that you're particularly looking forward to he's going to have the chance to go and emerge as a center so maybe we start there and if there's anyone else you want to bring up go for it yeah obviously as you mentioned really excited for nick dawkins he is a leader in this program um just they they, they call him the mayor of state college he he, do, he does it all uh so he means a lot to this to penn state as a whole as an organization uh, so, but I'm really excited for him to finally get this this opportunity. He definitely deserves one of the hardest workers. Uh, mm -hmm. Coach Trout just posted today. This is third time winning a, a you know winter workout uh, for the offensive line category. That that you know for offensive linemen that means a lot. And real quick, finally Drew Alar getting his getting his. And it, trust me, that means absolutely nothing, guys. I do want to say that uh, to a certain extent. It means that whoever's doing it is busting their butt, absolutely. But when you're not exactly the most athletic guy, you're more than likely not going to win a winter workout because it has to do with winning reps. And if someone's just faster than you, you're not really going to beat them a lot. Um, so I, I do want to put that out there, that you shouldn't put too much credence in it. I'm not, I don't mean to say it doesn't mean anything, but you shouldn't put that much credence, credence in it as a fan. Uh, but really happy to see the guys that are balling out there Landon, um, I, need to, I need to uh quote get that quote and pin it to our message board because every after like the first five winter workout sessions when it's Bo 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 people are like what's going on with Drew is he on campus yeah I know I, I saw it too and obviously I didn't want to put anything on Twitter but I I really wanted to say it when I came on here I'm like guys please don't panic about that Bo is extremely athletic and I'm excited to see what we do with Bo with obviously saw what we did this season with him how we can get him more involved but that's that's Bo's game. He the winter workouts are his game. It's strength, it's speed. Uh, that that's where he's going to win. But getting back to the offensive line and who I'm really excited about, I have a no brainer, and the answer is Anthony Donka. He is an extremely talented, strong kid. I'll never forget. Came in right away. Was already benching like 405 as a freshman. I mean, just unreal strength. And that's with these Olu Fashanu like arms. I mean, long arms. Um, and so he was at guard. He was actually at left guard since he got here. And then essentially like the last week of the season, pop him over to right tackle. He starts balling. Next thing you know, Caden Wallace isn't playing in the Peach Bowl. 
here comes and nobody even really knows that Anthony Donko played in the Peach Bowl. And I'd say for a, for a true freshman, that's a great thing to happen if no one knows. Fantastic. He was awesome. And like I said, there was no mention of where's Caden Wallace. Uh, you know, Caden Wallace had a fantastic year. But because Anthony Donka did such a great job, you didn't really notice a drop off at all. Um, you know, I don't think there was really any pressures, definitely no sacks allowed in the Peach Bowl. I'm really excited to see what he can continue to do. Like I said, he's very versatile, was at guard his whole time. And, you know, that's really hard for a freshman getting trying to get, you know, understand the, the guard position, get it down. Next thing you know, you pop over to tackle for a high, you know, a New Year's six bowl game and you're balling out. Uh, I think that takes his confidence way up headed into the spring and, you know, kind of reminds me of someone else who got their first start in a bowl game at tackle. And then, you know, we, we know what happened with that guy for anybody who doesn't know I'm talking about Olu Fashan who started in the Outback Bowl. That was his first start. Obviously we know where he's headed a top five, top 10 pick here shortly. Um, not saying that's absolutely Anthony Donka, but I, I could see it. This is a really talented kid with really good feet and is extremely strong. We've been tiptoeing around the Olu comparison here, so I'm glad that you just pushed us over the edge and, and you are more of an expert on the subject. Let's finish here, Landon. You've got another year plus of time here on campus at least to, to, to finish up your degree, and then we'll see what awaits you after that. What's on your to-do list now that you have you know, this new reality ahead of you? What would you like to, to accomplish and maybe start to see the ball rolling uh, in the next 15, 16 months left as an undergrad? Yeah, obviously, I still want to continue to be around the team and help out as much as possible, uh, you know, in every aspect I can, NIL, offensive line, uh, just support the guys. Uh, and then from a standpoint of, as I mentioned, I have, you know, podcasts coming up, that type of deal. I, I want to be able to do as much content as possible for the fans uh, and, and put that out there and really showcase more, even more of these guys' personality. I think one thing that Coach Franklin does is he recruits fantastic people with fantastic personalities. Um, and I just want to be able to showcase that to the fans and give them, uh, you know, a glimpse into what, what these guys really mean to this program and the type of guys that we have in this program. Um, so I, I'm excited to have that opportunity this spring, this summer, next fall, uh, and, and hopefully get, get a lot of content out there, uh, and just, you know, wake up every day with a passion, man, and just, just get after it. That's, that's my thing. Wake up every day. Thankful, thankful for another day. Uh, and that, that, that's kind of my motto, Tyler. And hopefully I'm back on the show soon. Oh, you will be. And let me just say, it warmed my heart to, to hear you tell me before we started recording that you are also stuck with the no freshman policy that we are applied to in the media. So I, I'm glad it's a, it's, it, it applies to you as well, newcomer. Yeah, yeah, that's mutual. I think everybody's getting that treatment. It doesn't change for anybody. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited for, uh, for what's coming, man. It's, it's going to be a fun time. All right. Excited to follow it. I'll be following your podcast when that launches. And then uh, we'll have you back on the podcast before long here at Lions 24-7. In the meantime, enjoy life. Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great stuff, as always, from Landon Tangwall. Enjoyed following his football career. I think we'll all enjoy following what comes next for him as well. Uh, we're going to turn our attention back to the recruiting trail. As I mentioned, we had Tyler Calvaruso on with us earlier this week, breaking down the commitment of six foot three going on six foot four wide receiver Lyric Samuel and what he means to the 2025 class, along with some remaining targets out there. The next step in the recruiting calendar where you're going to see the news start to churn now are the official visits being set up for the spring, the unofficial trips being lined up and some really extensive travel itineraries when you factor in the upcoming high school spring breaks where guys are going to get on the road, get to several schools, get to see some spring practices and get to really the lay of the land as the 2025 class really steps up to the spotlight and we're going to see decisions follow. So Tyler Calvaruso joins us right now to break down some of those early visits that have been locked in thus far for March, April, and what we need to know about them. So Tyler, I'm just going to warn you, you've got a tough act to follow in Landon Tengwall. Yeah, you just stole my lead too. I was going to say, recently it was Devon Ellis, now it's Landon Tengwall. I mean, you always put me in such a tough spot, man. Well, I trust you. I know you're going to get it done. And I know we've got a, a really strong group of guys to go through here. And since we talked about the receiver spot last episode with Lyric Samuel, let's start there with a couple guys that have locked in their visit plans. And let's begin with an in-state prospect that we have discussed pretty recently in Lex Cyrus, four-star receiver at a Susquehanna township. Tell us about his plans for spring. Now, it really goes back to what we were talking about last week. Or I'm not even sure when we talked about it at this point, but it was recently. And, you know, we detailed that he was going to be more active with the spring visits as opposed to the winter visits, just, you know, with him having a lot going on on the track. And he will be making it back to Penn State. You know, a date is not locked in yet, but he told Brian Dome, Penn State, there's definitely a chance that that could be the first place Cyrus makes it as he just goes through his spring visit schedule. And, you know, that coincided with the crystal ball pick from Brian going in. And when you look at Cyrus's recruitment and where things have been trending, you know, he's been to Penn State more than anywhere else. I know that's something we tend to say with him every time that he comes up in conversation. But his familiarity, his greatest level of familiarity lies with the Penn State coaching staff. And really, you know, this is a guy that Penn State has wanted to keep home for a variety of reasons. You know, it goes beyond him just being in the backyard and in the recruiting footprint, too. Like Cyrus has legit speed. You know, his speed is, is – you can't miss it when you watch his tape, when you watch him in person in a camp setting. When we saw him at the whiteout camp in June, he was very receptive to the coaching of Marcus Higgins, and those two have developed a good relationship as time has gone on. So really just things are moving in the right direction here for Penn State, and the staff's going to get another crack at Cyrus here pretty soon. And, you know, you got to think that that's only going to help the Nittany Lions continue to establish themselves as the top contender to land this really speedy and talented wideout from Susquehanna Township. 
The other spot we can go to, and again, I, we talked about him recently too, out of a very familiar school. This may have been the last episode that Jeff Exeter came up. Mm-hmm. Adam McDonough School, where we've seen Denai Dennis Sutton, P.J. Mustafer, Devon Elise, Curtis Jacobs come through the doors in recent years. Here's another one to know. Um, wide receiver spot, uh, if things seem to be starting to really move, there's momentum at this position now. And, and, and by the way, Lex Cyrus has the crystal ball. We'll just allude to that. Brian Doan has it in on Thursday. And then with Exeter, another four-star prospect. He's the number six athlete right now in our rankings at 24-7 Sports, number 137 overall. Where's Penn State trending, and what's the uh, what's kind of the outlook for him coming to Happy Valley? It's a pretty positive outlook right now. I think Penn State has definitely placed itself in one of the best positions with Exeter. We touched on his official visit a little bit last week. He has since confirmed it with me that he is going to be in State College during the weekend of June 14th. And not only that, but his official visit schedule is kind of coming together nicely now. He's got Syracuse the previous weekend on June 7th, and he's also finalizing a visit. Well, he won't have to take too long of a trip to check in with the Maryland staff during that weekend where it goes from May 31st to June 2nd. So he's working on getting that. So that's three visits for Jeff Exner now that are going to be on the docket. And you know, that's some solid competition for Penn State. The new staff at Syracuse has made a pretty positive impression upon Exner. And Maryland obviously provides him with a local option. He's got plenty of familiarity with Mike Loxley and the staff in College Park. But when you look at Exner's process and really just at his offer sheet, you got to scroll really, really far back to find out when Penn State offered. That <laughs> offer went out in 2021. So yeah, it kind of shows you how long Penn State's been on him. And again, like I said earlier in the week, on him at multiple positions, started out as an edge rusher prospect, has developed into, you know, one of those bigger body wideouts, maybe even a tight end at the next level, depending on where his physical growth takes him. Penn State really likes Eggener's athleticism, just what he can do with his hands. And his potential as a pass catcher is pretty high. And that is something that has appealed to Penn State throughout its pursuit of him. And on the other end of the equation, you know, we're talking about the familiarity that has definitely helped Penn State. Penn State wants to keep that McDonough school pipeline rolling. And I think it has a pretty solid chance to do that here. And with Exeter, again, a guy that has size at this position, six foot two, 220 pounds right now. And uh, yeah, a lot to like about his physical makeup at this stage of his career at this particular position. Uh, going over to the defensive backfield, some, some interesting visitors from beyond the state of Pennsylvania. Go over to Ohio to begin here. Josh Johnson checking in for an official visit with uh, Penn State this spring. When's he coming to town, and, and what do we make of this six-foot-three safety? There's a few larger safety prospects in play for Penn State this cycle. You know, most of our safety conversation has kind of been centered around Jadon Blair and Kenoa Winston, and rightfully so. Those are two of the top names on Anthony Poindexter's board. But, you know, Johnson's been around plenty. You know, he, he has gradually moved his way up the pecking order throughout his recruitment. And, you know, he comes from a solid high school program, and you know, one of those guys who's going to come to – college he's going to be very coached up and he's going to be ready to roll and Penn State's looking forward to getting him back on campus here and look you know that safety board's going to continue to evolve as good as a Penn State has put itself with guys like Winston and Blair you know those guys aren't done deals you know there's still work to be done and a guy like Johnson remains under pretty heavy consideration from the staff he's got a bunch of other Big Ten suitors but Penn State is going to get his crack at him the weekend of June 7th. And I think the staff has done a lot of good things there with the Ohio native to date. Let's go down to South Carolina. Onus Kanunbani, I think I'm saying that right. If I'm not, I apologize. And we'll see if after his upcoming visit, we need to get to know that name a little bit better. He's out of Columbia, South Carolina. As you'd imagine, you've got ACC, SEC flavor to this offer sheet, which is 40 schools deep. 
Penn State in the mix here. This isn't a name I've said on the podcast before. I can guarantee you that because I practiced it a few times. What do you? What do we need to know about Onus Konambani? That cornerback board for Terry Smith has been coming along. You know, we've really centered on Jameer Joseph as one of his top cornerback targets at this point in the cycle. Konambani is definitely up there as well. It's his second official visit that he has locked in. Penn State's been doing a lot of good things with him on the relationship building front. So that's a visit that the staff is pretty excited to get locked in and scheduled. You know, you mentioned the Carolina. South Carolina is in a pretty good spot with Conan Bonnie. Clemson's involved. So, you know, getting him out of the Carolinas might be a little bit difficult, but he's got this official visit locked in. It's also worth noting he started his high school career down in Georgia. So, you know, not, you know, there are some schools down south that he has pretty good relationships with. You know, Miami is one of them. And he's this. I mentioned that this is his second official visit that he has scheduled. North Carolina is the first. He's going to be in Chapel Hill during the weekend of June 7th. So Tar Heels are right in the mix here as well. All right. And I want to go a, a little bit further south. And actually, you already got us set up there. You mentioned Georgia. Let's go with the Peach yep. State. Is, uh one of the, the, the top talents in that 2025 cycle down there. He is a rising talent. The offer sheet reflects it. I think the body of work from his junior season does as well. Hayden Bradley, six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound range tight end from Buford High School in Georgia. We referenced him pretty recently and about how things were moving at a nice pace between him and Penn State from afar. They're not to, uh, that that distance is about to get closed, and these got uh, these two parties are going to spend some time together. Yeah, he's got designs on an official visit. Right now, the date is up in the air. He told me last night that he's looking at either that weekend of June 7th, which is kind of shaping up early on to be uh, – it's looking like it's going to be a busy official visit weekend for Penn State. So it's either going to be that weekend or depending on how things play out with him with his regarding his schedule, the midweek visit from June 26th to June 28th is also in the cards for Bradley, whose recruitment has just absolutely exploded. He's up <laughs> over 35 total offers now. He doesn't have a ranking yet, but when he breaks in, I've, probably, I've got a pretty good feeling he's going to be one of those higher-ranked tight ends in the 2025 class. Really athletic kid. Ty Howell's done a good job here. Penn State is going to get him for an official visit. It's just going to be a matter of when. And and with you look at the tight end position here, Tyler. I mean, we talked about it. I just want because Bradley's uh, the you know coming here a long distance. What do you think Penn State's mindset is at the position? We've talked so much about Brady Hara and what he's likely to do, and then, and then you got the in-state target, uh, Andrew Olesh. What do you think ultimately? Multiplayer class, pretty certain in, in this group. Yeah, it's definitely a strong possibility. And when it comes to the skill set of these guys, you know, O'Hara, we talked about him a bunch when it comes to his projection, where might he line up at the next level? And I think Brian Doe made a pretty good point when he hopped on with you. If Penn State's system was a little bit different, where it utilized more of that in tight end, in-line tight end look with regularity, maybe O'Hara is a guy who, you know, looks like a tight end at the next level, but I think he projects more on the offensive line right now. Still very much in the cards. You know, he's an athletic kid, so we got to see what happens when he gets to campus. But, you know, guys like Bradley and Lincoln Cure and Nate Roberts and Andrew Olish, they're more pure pass-catching tight ends. They've shown a lot in that regard. That's something that really appeals to Penn State as it goes about, you know, continuing to build its board and list of priorities. And really all you got to do is look back at the recent results. Look at Luke Reynolds' skill set. Look at Joey Schlafford's skill set. Look at Andrew Rappelia's skill set. What do those guys do well? They're athletic, and they catch the ball. So, yeah, if Penn State is going to welcome multiple tight ends into this clutch, which, again, is a very real possibility, going to be that athletic pass catcher type guy.
we've seen them bring in tandem tight end classes quite a lot. And we saw actually three tight ends for, for you know, about a semester uh, last year in the 2024 uh, class and uh, or in the 2023 class, I should say it was a solo act this time, but it happened to be, as you mentioned, the number one tight end in the country and Luke Reynolds. So uh, whoever is following him to campus is going to find themselves another very talented, crowded and competitive room. Uh, let's keep the so Southern theme going here with a, a Florida prospect a defensive lineman and Jarquez Carter out of Newberry, Florida. Uh, you caught up with Carter. He's playing on uh, making his trip up to Penn State, and it's probably a good thing that we'll have time for the snow and freezing rain that's currently happening to to get out of our lives, and we'll be into warmer climbs by then. Yeah, Deion Barnes checked in with him at Newberry before the beginning of the dead period. Newberry's not, you know, a typical Florida powerhouse, but it's got itself a good one in Carter, who's a big interior defensive lineman. It's notable that I think he's locked in a visit because when you look at the way Penn State's 2025 recruiting class is coming together and when you get into, you know, the depths of the numbers conversation, the interior of the defensive line isn't a place where the numbers are going to be big. And there are multiple reasons for that. You know, you got to take into account what Penn State has on its roster right now. And you look at that 2024 class and how many defensive linemen that the Nittany Lions signed. So, you know, it's not going to be a big group of interior defensive linemen in this 2025 class. Carter's a guy who has had the staff's attention for a while. As I mentioned, Barnes was down to meet with him in person. You know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see who claims you know those few spots. But Penn State's going to get him to campus, and they're going to get a good look at him and evaluate things from that point on. He's got a bunch of spring visits scheduled. He's going to be all over the place, and he's a highly touted prospect. Solid film. I mean, his junior year production is ridiculous: sixty-seven tackles, thirty-seven stops for a loss. So production speaks for itself. And then uh, you, you've got you know, players from all across the country. Landon Rink, a defensive lineman from Texas, who's really been coming on strong as a power five target. Now, I guess, power four target. Um, Steve Wolfong reporting today that, that he's also going to be making a trip to Penn State as part of his schedule. So as these names come through, we'll continue to, to check them off our list at Lions247.com on the message board and, and with VIP articles from Tyler Calvaruso, Brian Doan and company. One other name I wanted to get to outside of the 2025 class, looking a little bit more long term here is Dia Bell, uh, six foot two, 195 pounds, sophomore quarterback out of American Heritage High School in Fort Lauderdale. That is a, a, a FBS recruit factory down in Fort Lauderdale. And this is the son of former NBA player Raja Bell, who folks may remember was on that 76ers team that had a run to the finals with Allen Iverson. Um, so the nice athletic resume for this young man, who's also a hoopster himself, he has been up to Penn State. He worked under the direction of Mike Yursich last summer, if I recall correctly. We're through his sophomore season now. There's more track record on him. There's more offers to consider. And Penn State continues to have a seat at the table here. You know, Andy Kolonik, he has yet to personally offer a quarterback since arriving in State College. But a lot of his activity on the recruiting front has been picking up where Penn State left off with its quarterback targets and, you know, kind of building those relationships in his own way. That's what he's been doing with Bell, and it seems like those two are in a pretty good spot. Bell told me that he really likes Colton, that he likes the direction of Penn State's offense, and he's looking forward to getting to State College and seeing what it's like for himself. Bunch of suitors now really spanning the nation. You know, there's a lot in the South. There are West Coast teams in on them. You know, Utah put out an offer. You know, that's a familiar place for him, given his father. And his recruit, I mean, you look at his sophomore season, it was a solid one. You know, his first year as a varsity starter, he held up his end of the bargain for a really good American Heritage team. And moving forward, he uh, he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the 2026 class, I would say. And just Penn State is going to look to continue to get him back to campus and keep building the relationship. 
and he's due on camp. Was that the a late March trip he has? Yeah, March 22nd he's looking. He's going to be at Pitt the day before for a visit. So busy time for him in the Keystone State. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see guys coming to, to kind of regional trips. Maybe they get on one plane flight and then they spend the, ne spend the next few days driving. And you'll see some guys hit like seven schools in seven days. That's what you get to see in the spring when you get a little time away from high school. It certainly does sound like North Jersey. Wherever uh, I don't know exactly what's going on outside your, your apartment right now, but I can hear it. Um, so it takes me back to the area a little bit, Tyler. Thank you for the time. We appreciate the perspective on Penn State recruiting. Folks can get it on a daily basis over at the website. Thanks for having me, man. All right. To the quieter uh, environment of Happy Valley, where we'll find uh, Daniel Gallen joining us right now on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Daniel, what's going on? Nothing much. A uh, little bit little bit quieter uh, here in, in State College, but that's mostly because they're not doing uh, construction outside of my apartment for, for once in a couple of days. Well, let's be honest. I wasn't expecting to pick up the conversation on basketball this quickly with the podcast. It's not a topic we get into a bunch. Of course, last year with the NCAA tournament run, it, it, it was more of a frequent discussion for us. And then the ensuing coaching change, we discussed it quite a bit. We talked about on Tuesday because it was a, a dire situation. Three games in a row that were lost by Penn State, not even getting to 50 points in the most recent of those defeats, and then dismissing leading scorer Kanye Clary uh, with five games remaining on the regular season schedule. Well, 48 hours later, my friend, uh, we got something different to discuss. They knock off the number 12 uh, fighting Illini of Illinois uh, last night in, in a throwback setting. Uh, and what I'd have to say was a win for the basketball lovers of Penn State. And I know that, that that's a number that people wish there was more of them, but it was a special night for a lot of reasons on Wednesday. Yeah, it was just a very, very awesome night. Um, I think it's probably one of the more thrilling uh, Penn State basketball games that that I've covered and probably just overall fun sporting events that I've been to in a, in a long time. I mean, I think that you know, we talked about how throughout the season Penn State had kind of, you know, they'd have to counterpunch sometimes where, you know, they lose five games in December. Then they have this nice comeback win against Ohio State. Um, they, you know, lose a couple of games and have a nice win, lose a couple of games, bounce back. Um, and today or last night, we saw that kind of condensed into 40 minutes where they were just in a heavyweight fight you know, with Illinois, a team that's, that was ranked number 12 nationally. They're, I think they're number nine in Ken Palm, um, just one of the you know, better programs and, and better teams. And Penn State went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them without their leading score on a week when things really could have gone sideways for them, coming in on a three-game losing streak. And you know, they they pulled it out. They were down by 10 with 230 left. They were down by seven with 35 seconds left. And they end up with a 92-89 victory um, in you know, just kind of kicking off a pretty raucous celebration and, uh, you know, capping off what I think has been a pretty interesting stretch of Penn State basketball. And of course, this is all happening in the setting of Rec Hall, which I know a lot of people on our board, at least, wish they would just call home on a game to game basis. But uh, so many dynamics here. And of course, in the backdrop is the adversity that this team is dealing with. And how would they respond to a moment where you're parting ways with your leading scorer, a guy that was asked to do a lot for a significant portion of this season and someone who came to campus as a high profile prospect for this program as well? and Kanye Clary. But before we get to the emotional state of the program, can you take us inside the last couple of minutes when Penn State erases a 10-point deficit, two and a half minutes to play, and of course, Zach Hicks getting to play the role of hero toward the end? 
Yeah, I, the second half, uh, I think we saw Nick Kern, who came from VCU with Mike Rhodes and Ace Baldwin, play some of the, the best basketball of his career. At one point, he scored 13 straight points for Penn State. Um, I think there was one point where he had scored 18 of 22 points in the second half for the Nittany Lions. Um, he knocked knees at one point with Terrence Shannon and had to go out, but he came back in um, and he scored career high 22 points. I think that you look at him as someone who really, really stepped up um, in the second half. You look at Jameel Brown, someone who has been kind of up and down this year. He had a really hot start to the season from three-point range. Um, he was one of the three returners to come back from last year's team, a group that is now down to two. <laughs> and he was, and he's the only one who's healthy uh, with Demetrius Lilly working through something right now. Uh, Jameel scored 11 points, hit a couple big three-pointers. Um, you know, he had a really clutch one, uh, in the, the final minutes where he had Puff Johnson going down the lane, uh, on in transition, but he pulled up, um, his man's momentum carried him by him and he just hit that wide open three pointer. Um, he's someone that we talked about with, with Kanye Clary leaving that he needs to step up. He needs to give them minutes in the backcourt. And he did just that. You know, he also played really good defense on the Illinois final desperate attempt, um, there at the buzzer to, to try to win the game. Um, Puff Johnson, someone who I think came in with a lot of expectations given his pedigree, um, you know, four-star recruit from Pennsylvania, the, the brother of an NBA player, played at North Carolina for three years, um, you know, kind of a you know, good pedigree, a good kind of on paper. Um, you know, hasn't done too much this year, um, but he had a very, very clutch late steal um, and, and score as Penn State cut their deficit to two points um, in the final 35 seconds. So it was just like you just go up and down and the contributions that you got from these players. Um, and you talk about Zach Hicks uh, at the very end of the game. Um, Coleman Hawkins misses a pair of free throws for Illinois. Um, Mike Rhodes doesn't call timeout. Uh, he just kind of lets his guys go down two. And uh, Ace Baldwin, I think, was trying to get downhill, trying to drive. It wasn't there. Um, so he gave it to Zach Hicks and Zach Hicks gets fouled by Coleman Hawkins, goes to the line with 4.2 seconds left and uh, sinks all three free throws. Um, just kind of a you know, very you know, he said after the game that he just made sure there was nothing going through his head, that he was just there to hit the free throws. And that that, that worked for him. I mean, it's just kind of a you know, culmination of getting a, a total team effort. I mean, they had five guys in double figures uh, last night. I would have to look, but I can't imagine that that's happened much or, or if it or if at all this year. You know, it's mostly been like one or two, maybe three guys carrying the load. Um, so it's I think that we've, we've talked about it a couple times this year where we've been like, oh, is this the moment? Is this the season defining moment? Um, you know, we talked about it after they beat Ohio State in December. I think Michigan at the Palestra upsetting Wisconsin at home uh, for the first court storming of the year. Um, I think this one feels a little bit different because of where we are in the season and kind of what this team went through, losing three straight games dismissing their leading score and just having the opportunity to just kind of be dead in the water. Um, you know, they were in 12th place in the big 10 before last night. Uh, you can kind of just from the, the way this conference is, you can just kind of pack it in pretty easily. Um, but you win that game. Suddenly you're in ninth place. Hmm. The four teams left on your schedule are, I think have records of 500 or worse uh, in big 10 play. You can make some things happen there. And, you know, this team, 
isn't going to the tournament unless they win the Big Ten tournament. I think that given their non-conference resume, that's kind of that that's the situation. Um, but you can play your way into the NIT. You, know, you can give yourself an easier road when you get to Minneapolis next month. And we saw last year they made a nice run uh, to to Sunday of the Big Ten tournament. Anything can happen when you get to this point. So I, I think that the heroics that we saw last night, it just kind of expands your mind a little bit of, of what this team can do uh, and what these next two weeks can look like. I remember last year in late February, I was getting ready to leave for our family vacation in early March, which we're doing again this year. Uh, and the start of that trip, it's like, okay, I'll come back and we'll be all ready to shift into spring football mode. And by the end of my seven, 10 day trip, whatever it was, all of a sudden Penn State goes in this run in the Big Ten tournament. And you and Mark are booking tickets to go to the NCAA tournament's first round destination. And it's like, okay, now if they do something like that again while I'm on vacation in early March, it would be a miraculous feat uh, here in this conference. But I, I do want to circle back because obviously if they're going to you know, finish strong here on a high note, they're playing off some kind of emotion. Uh, you mentioned that Indiana's coming to town Saturday for a noon tip. Uh, that That's going to kick off these final four games. Uh, they beat Indiana on the road by 14 points earlier this month. They've got road trips to Iowa next Tuesday and Minnesota on Saturday, March 2nd, before finishing up at home against Maryland on March 10th uh, after spring break. So, Daniel, what were the emotions last night? If they're going to keep something in a bottle and try to, to carry it with them into Saturday's game and the next game after that, what would those, what would those ingredients look like? Yeah, I, I think I wrote about it a little bit uh, online 24 seven where last night just felt really cathartic for this team. Um, I, I think that when you have a three game losing streak, uh, you know, that can really wear on you, especially it coming after a three game winning streak where we thought that things were completely turned around. Um, you know, I think that, having that type of win and, and with what this team was dealing with in terms of adversity and having to see someone that you know, you're going to battle with every day, uh, leave the program, um, you know, under not the best circumstances. I think that that's a lot. So you know, I think that you, know, you saw it in the, in the photo gallery um, that we had online 24 seven, just a lot of smiles, um, a lot of joy. And you know, when you watch the video of the guys storming the court, um, you know, I think that, even uh, on, on the TV copy, um, when you watch Zach Hicks take those free throws, you can see Ace Baldwin behind him with a, a big smile on his face. You know, I think that I think that a little bit of that is just Ace Baldwin's general demeanor and kind of his cockiness and, and confidence in terms of how things are going to go. Um, but I do think that there's probably an, an element of lightness there um, for this team. You know, post game, uh, we talked to Nick Kern, Jameel Brown and Zach Hicks three guys who played a really significant role in making this happen. Um, and you know, they talked about staying together as a team, um, you know, doing, knowing their roles, kind of keeping things together and moving forward. And so, you know, I, I think that there's kind of to be able to do that in those circumstances, I think that that can give a team a lot of confidence. Um, and then Mike Rhodes, I mean, he was really, really emotional. I mean, I think that he's talked about that, he knew this wasn't going to be easy this first year, but I think that there's a difference between kind of knowing that and experiencing that. And he's talked about it where kind of the, the one thing that he's learned about being in the big 10 is how much of a grind it is and how difficult this is. Um, I, you know, one thing that he said in terms of adjusting coming from the a 10 to the big 10, uh, something that I, I didn't really think about how it would affect you, but he said that, because the Big Ten scheduling is so centered around television, there's kind of no rhythm to the season. 
And so you're, you have these quicker turnarounds, um, you know, the, the road quicker, quicker turnarounds off road trips. You're playing two games in kind of shorter time spans. Um, it's not like a normal, like, you know, you know, Tuesday, Saturday type thing. Um, where I think in some of the other conferences that you're, you're in a little more rhythm. So I think there's been a lot of different things that have kind of, you know, worn on him over the course of the season. Um, his family is not in state college. Um, his oldest son is at, is a, is a college football player at Colgate. Um, but then his wife, uh, daughter, who's a senior in high school and then younger son are still in Virginia. Um, so he's kind of up here on his own. Um, you know, his wife and, uh, his sons were up here last night. Um, and he talked a lot about them post game and, and got, you know, pretty emotional about, you know, what this means, um, you know, for them to be there and, and to share this with them and, you know, kind of dealing with this separation during their, during his first year up here, they're going to be up here in June, uh, after his daughter graduates from high school. Um, so I think that there's just kind of a, there's kind of a lot of emotions coming from so many different sources, um, over the course of this year. And I, I think to kind of get this type of signature win, uh, in that environment, you know, it goes a cool thing to be back in rec hall in a small gym, um, you know, have the court storm, uh, you know, kind of a celebration, you know, Mike Rhodes you know, climbed into the bleachers to see his family. He's down there embracing students, high-fiving students, posing for pictures. Um, I mean, he just really, really seemed to, you know, really savor that moment. Um, and I think that there's a little bit of a, of an emotional release, um, you know, coming off Wednesday night. And when 80% of your roster was gathered by the transfer portal, including a couple of guys you brought with you, you know, your Louie that you brought with you, as Deion Sanders would say, um, you know, I'm sure you're still trying to figure people out. And clearly this, this group is trying to figure personalities out in deep into the season. And it, and it festered in a significant way earlier this week, but let's finish here, Daniel. Uh, we talked about the four games that are ahead of them, but I'd imagine so much about what lies ahead here in February and early March and when the conference tournament opens it's about trying to find a launch pad for this program, not only going into an offseason with guys feeling confident about their program, but trying to sell what you are doing in State College on the recruiting trail and perhaps in this day and age, more importantly, in the transfer portal. Yeah, I, I think that you know, this roster is going to look different. Um, I wrote about it in a piece of online 24-7 where, you know, I think that if you're Mike Rhodes, you know, losing a 17 point per game score is never kind of a good thing. Um, I know that people like to talk about addition by subtraction and, you know, Illinois coach Brad Underwood uh, made his thoughts on, on how Penn state's playing without Kanye Clary known last night. Um, but it did kind of answer a question uh, about uh, scholarship uh, availability for next year, because now Penn state had three guys with expiring eligibility Kanye Clary frees up a fourth scholarship. You got two guys that are true seniors who are going to have to determine whether or not they want to use their COVID years. Penn State already signed three guys uh, and they have a fourth committed. They hosted a fifth for an official visit earlier this month. So they're still looking on the trail. Mike Rhodes wants to build this thing, uh, you know, through the high school recruiting ranks and use the transfer portal to kind of supplement it. Um, so, you know, in a couple more weeks, uh, I think it's less than a month till the portal window opens for basketball. So we'll get a little bit more of an answer of how things look, but I think that you're kind of starting to see the foundation and kind of see how Mike Rhodes wants to build things. So, uh, you know, the, the high school guys that are still unsigned in the class of 2024, if they're looking around, Mike Rhodes has, has something to point at. Um, you know, he's also going to have, uh, 
some some nice tape to show to some of the transfers that that Penn State is going to be looking at. And I think by winning more games and having things a little bit more established, not to mention getting your NIL program uh, in order, which I do think Mike Rhodes has done a really nice job of, um, that's going to help you in the portal. Um, you look at some of the guys that Penn State brought in, obviously Baldwin and Kern have been, I think they've been hits, uh, but you kind of also knew what you were going to get from them coming with Mike Rhodes. They were coming up a level. But then you got some guys that, you know, for whatever reason, I don't want to say they haven't worked out because that feels a, a little harsh, but you know, the leap from the Patriot league to the big 10 for Leo O'Boyle was pretty tough. Um, you know, Rayquandis Mitchell was pretty well-traveled. He came up a level, um, you know, has not seen the court much. Both of those guys deserve credit, uh, you know, for their performance Wednesday night. I mean, you talk about kind of needing everyone to step up when losing a player like Clary, you know, O'Boyle scores his first basket in more than a month. Mitchell got his first points since December. He had not scored in the new year um, and had, hadn't played in almost three weeks. So you got those kind of guys to step up. Um, I think that that's really big. But I think moving forward, this kind of opens you up to, you know, a little bit maybe better prospects coming out of the portal. Um, obviously, you kind of have to factor in NIL with that. But winning winning breeds success in other areas. And so I think that if Penn State can can close things out, Mike Rhodes can have a, a proof of concept to show these guys. Um, one thing Brad Underwood said that I thought was interesting was that Penn State is really role defined. And without Clary, those roles become, you know, even more clear of what guys are supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it. So now Mike Rhodes can take that to the portal and on the recruiting trail and really show them this is where you fit in. This is how this, you know, this is what you can do. So uh, I think that has a long answer when when talking about the future there. But I, I just think that you know, you do have the opportunity to really turn things uh, around and really go into this offseason on a high note. Of course, you got to keep winning uh, with four games left. Can't fall flat against Indiana and, and really squander this goodwill. But it does seem like that maybe this team has has turned that corner. I do appreciate the detailed answer because I've learned <laughs> in my seven years here on campus that Penn State basketball is a complex situation, a complex <laughs> subject. So I, I do appreciate it. And, and since you mentioned uh, Illinois head coach Brad Underwood and some of his commentary afterwards, Pretty succinct note here on, on, on his assessment of Penn State last night and regarding the absence of Kanye Clary. Quote, I thought they were better without him. So uh, pretty, <laughs> pretty on point there from Brad Underwood. We'll see if that sustains. Daniel will be on basketball covers the rest of the way this season, uh, starting this Saturday with the game against Indiana at noon at the BJC. So follow lines247.com uh, for the latest on Nittany Lions hoops. Daniel, appreciate the perspective. We double dipped on basketball this week. I'm sure we'll get back to uh, the grind with football next week. Say sounds good, and I'm I'm glad Penn State basketball has given us something to talk about. It's been a it's been an entertaining uh, week, and I, I just got to say, Wednesday night was just a ton of fun to cover. All right, fantastic stuff. Good coverage from you, Mark, over at lines247.com. I think there's four stories up, a lot of takeaways, breakdowns, quotes, and a full photo gallery from our very own Grace Brennan up there. So a lot to kind of relive that, or if you just missed it because you had tuned out Penn State basketball, go check out all the content at lines247.com. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks, Tyler. All right, great stuff from Daniel. Before him, our other colleague from Lions 24-7, Tyler Calvaruso, giving us the latest on recruiting visits being scheduled for Penn State. And before both of them, Landon Tangwall, the one and only, discussing what is ahead for him uh, beyond football. And there's a lot, as you heard, 
from Landon. That's going to do it for this episode and this week of coverage from Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll be back with a couple more episodes next week, really setting the stage as winter workouts come to a conclusion, spring break right around the corner. And then right after that, we all get back to campus and we've got Penn State football happening on the practice field, just a matter of weeks away. Uh, before you know it, we're going to be talking about takeaways from the spring practices as we get our initial glimpses of this 2024 Penn State squad. For now, stepping aside, getting back to work at Lions247.com, where you can join us for 30% off on an annual subscription right now. I am Tyler Donahue. Thanks, as always, for watching or listening to the Lions 24-7 podcast.